Thank you all. This is, it's always a joy uh, to be here. It's really cool to be here in this building. I think this is, I, I thought this was the first time I preached here and then someone reminded me I have been in this building one other time, but um, my wife and I go, go way back. Um, we were here before we had kids uh, and now we have five. We were here when uh, Midtown Creve Hall existed in a really ugly white box truck and it got unpacked every week and church was popped up uh, from that box truck and I used to drive that truck um, before I even wanted to be a pastor. So just a lot of, a lot of history, but we're not here to talk about that. Uh, we can have a drink sometime and I can tell you more about that, but we're here to open God's word. Uh, and so I'm gonna do that uh, and read for us this morning. So we are in the book of Genesis. I think this is the next to last uh, week we've got uh, in Genesis. Um, There's a lot more to Genesis than we'll cover, but uh, the end of our series is at hand. So turn to Genesis chapter 11, please. And we are going to read what is, in some ways, I think, a very familiar story, but I think in a lot of ways is going to be completely unfamiliar to us. So this is Genesis chapter 11, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 9. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we will make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the people were building. And the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Let's pray. Lord, um, as we open your word, just uh, don't, don't let it uh, return void. Lord, make, make this like seed scattered on very fertile soil. Uh, make this um, like even, if it's your will, Lord, even like piercing uh, swords uh, to, to, to get to the spots in our lives and our hearts Uh, that we need, um, like a surgeon getting to a place of a wound or a a doctor to a place of a disease, um, to bring healing, to bring fullness of life, to to, to recreate life in us, even in dead places. Lord, do that through your word right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, uh, yeah, I pastor um, the Napier Congregation of Midtown Fellowship um, in the community. We, we call ourselves the Napier Kitchen Table. Um, there's an annual report that I will go through after the service, uh, so we'll get the chance to, I'll get the chance to share a little bit more about that. Um, but this morning, we're here in, in the book of Genesis, and one thing that some of you might know this about me, I would imagine most of you probably don't know this, it uh, feels like another life, but I've studied, I've I've formally studied six different languages, and I can't speak any of them good. Well, some of you got that. You say well, I can't speak any of them well. That would be the right way to say that in English. 
I have also studied English. That's one of them. Um, I, I studied Latin for eight years. That didn't do anything for me. Um, I've studied German. I've studied Arabic. I've studied, uh, and then Greek and Hebrew for multiple years in seminary. And I didn't do it to be able to speak those languages because I really don't speak any of them very well uh, anymore. But I did it because I love culture. I love culture so much. I love differences. I love how people are different. I really think different kinds of people are an adventure. And by different kinds of people, I mean the person sitting next to you because they are a different kind of person than you. But also beyond that, I love when, when, so, when society and culture create differences amongst people. I really do. I love it. It's what led me in so much of my life. And in fact, I, it's, a, it's a long story, but I really think that's what's led me in many ways uh, to the work that I do in Napier. So I love diversity. And this passage is a, a passage about diversity. Um, a lot of scholars call this story and what happened at the Tower of Babel, this is the seedbed of civilization. Uh, Shinar is kind of another word for Sumer. And if you, you know, study ancient uh, Mesopotamian history or ancient human history, this is you know, what's considered the, the birthplace of civilizations. You know, the, ta- um, the, the Garden of Eden was in this general location, but we're now you know, well past the Garden of Eden at this point in human history. But this is the point at which many different civilizations began to scatter and then, and then grow. So it's a story about diversity, but it's also a story about unity. And that's kind of the, the, the give and take, the play, the pull and tug between diversity and unity is, is, is really what I think um, the message of this passage calls us to look at. And what we need to start off seeing is this building project, this great, amazing tower in the city of Babel, this whole building project that we just read about is the same building project that all of us are on. We can't escape that. Yes, they were building a huge city. Yes, they were building a tower. Maybe you're not doing that, but it is what they were actually trying to build is the exact same thing that you and I, that every human being is trying to build. Because what they were building was three things, really. It was purpose, it was meaning, and it was this little package deal that I'm going to be calling safety, security, and certainty. Purpose, meaning, safety, security, and certainty. Does that ring a bell for anybody? Well, let's look at it in our passage. How were they building purpose, meaning, and safety, security, and and, uh, certainty? Well, look at verse 3. This is their purpose. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They were after purpose. They wanted a job. They wanted work to do. They wanted to accomplish something. They wanted to be here for a reason and do something. And isn't that what we all want? They said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. They wanted accomplishment. They wanted a purpose. What this is referring to in human history is this is the advent of one of the first and greatest inventions in all of human history, and that's bricks. Might not seem like a big deal to us, but before this, anything that was built was either built from stones that had to get hacked out of the ground and shaped in some way, very time-consuming, very laborious, very heavy, very limited in how high you could build. This was a huge technological advancement that these people accomplished. So they were here for a purpose. They, they wanted purpose. What about meaning? 
They didn't just want their work to be work. They wanted it to be work that mattered. They wanted work that brought glory. Look at the second part of verse four. So that we may make a name for ourselves. This wasn't just to accomplish something. This was to create and build and accomplish something that other people would say, wow. And that they would look at and go, wow. They wanted meaningful accomplishment. They wanted meaningful work. I still got you, right? We're still on this. This matters to us, doesn't it? And then what about this little package deal? Safety, security, and certainty. At the end of the day, they didn't just want work to do. They didn't just want work that mattered. They wanted work that would give them safety, security, and certainty. We see this in the last part of verse 4. They said, otherwise, in other words, everything we're doing is to prevent us being scattered over the face of the whole earth. And we think about that for a second. That might seem a little odd. How is that such a big deal? And how does that connect to to safety, security, and certainty? Well, for them to be gathered was how they stayed safe. At that time and place, to be scattered over the face of the whole earth, to be alone, to be a loner, to be wandering on your own was a big problem, like existential problem. You probably weren't gonna survive and you certainly weren't gonna accomplish something and you certainly weren't gonna accomplish something that gave your life meaning. The only way you could get safety, security, and certainty in your life was to remain together. Strength in numbers. But it's actually a little bit deeper than that. Because the last time someone was worried about being a wanderer on the earth, can anyone remember? Cain. Just a few chapters before this, before the flood, the last story we get is of a man who was scattered, who was a wanderer on the earth. And he said, this is more than I can bear. And what was Cain after? We don't, I'm not, we don't have to remember everything there is about that story, but just remember this one thing for me about the Cain and Abel story. Cain wanted blessing. You remember that? That was the thing that made Cain kill his brother Abel because he was worried he wasn't going to get God's blessing. So what's really beneath safety, security, and certainty? I need blessing. I want to know that God is going to bless me. I want to know that my life is a blessed life. I need that as deeply as I need purpose as deeply as I need meaning, and as deeply as I need safety, security, and certainty, really what all of that is about is that I need blessing in my life. I need to know I'm gonna be okay. I need to know I'm being taken care of. If I don't have safety, if I don't have security, if I don't have certainty that the work I put in in my life is gonna give me the things I need, then I don't have blessing. And the whole story of what these men and women are doing in the Tower of Babel is they are saying, we are going to go get blessing for ourselves. We are going to bless ourselves. They call it make our name great. They call it accomplish something. They call giving our lives meaning. But it's all for blessing. And the problem that we sense even as we read this, you don't even have to have heard the story before to kind of get the sense that there's there's a real... I'm going to do it myself attitude, isn't there? Look at the number of times they say, us, ourselves, come, let us make bricks. 
Come, let us build a city. Build who a city? Ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that who? We may make a name for ourselves. This is all us, me, I, we. And purpose, meaning, safety, security, and certainty are not problems in and of themselves. In fact, they're necessary. Here's the problem, though. They wanted to do it alone. The whole purpose of this passage, especially where it's situated after the Cain and Abel story, and by the way, after the Adam and Eve story, is the, the writer of Genesis is saying, here we go again, mankind is looking for blessing apart from God. That's the bottom line. That's the problem that is glaring, or it should be glaring to the reader, especially the reader at that time. In this culture, when people read this, they would have gone, oh, this is another one of those. This is another one of those stories of mankind looking for blessing, looking to make something of themselves because deep down they don't trust that God is gonna do it for them. We get a really obvious, just if you're kind of, since I've studied the text of this, we get an obvious picture of this when it makes the, the note at the beginning, people moved eastward. I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's a trigger. For the original reading audience of this, that would have been a trigger. Every time someone is said to have moved eastward, the picture is they're leaving the presence of God. They're leaving the Garden of Eden in a sense, because the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were cast out, they traveled east. So that's a, that's a signal to us that these people were trying to get these things on their own. And let me tell you how they did it. If that's what they're after, they're after blessing, they're after getting blessing apart from God, they did it through sameness. They did it through human sameness. They did it through saying, let's all get together and continue to be the same. Let's have the same language, let's have the same culture, let's be in the same area, and in fact, let's build a city for all of us who are like-minded and think the same and wanna do this thing ourselves to be together. That was their vehicle. Their vehicle for blessing was themselves, but themselves gathered together in a sort of monoculture. That's the picture we get because after this, we get the dispersion of cultures. We get the creation of civilizations. We get the, the, the growth of new societies and cultures and languages. But here, it's a sense of, no, we need to stay the same. We need to stay around people and protect physically with the city, but socially and culturally and linguistically. You see that? That is our vehicle to get blessing apart from God. Unity around the self. Unity because they all had the same thing at the center. Me. That's the weird juxtaposition of this, is they were all looking for unity, but they were all looking for unity because they could all put themselves at the center. They all orbited around the same thing, the me. If you've heard Dave Burden, I just told you, I'm OG Creefall, so I've got to pull some Burden references in. If you've heard Dave Burden preach, you'll hear him sometimes say, some of you are like, who's Dave Burden? Dave would say, wow, hallelujah, that no one remembers me. <laughs> Dave Burden uh, has said this to me before, me, love me, some me. This is a me, love me, some me kind of system and culture. And the reason we know that it was a me-centered culture, even though it's a bunch of people together, is because God was not at the center. We've just said that. They were at the center. 
They themselves were who they trusted in. They themselves were who they obeyed. They themselves were who they loved. They themselves were who they followed. They had left God. They had left God's blessing and the hope for God's blessing. And they've said, we are going to do this for ourselves through this city. Anytime you leave God being at the center, you become at the center, even if you're surrounded by other people. You're alone in a group. You're alone in a crowd. And they did it by making themselves all the same. Can I get real political for a minute? Everyone's like, ooh. I'm talking about the politics of middle school, guys, okay? Let's talk about middle school for a minute. I was in middle school once, and this is how it works in middle school, right? So I went to a, like a small private school, and the purpose of this small private school was to, was to try to make everyone the same so that things could be nice and controlled, and so we had uniforms, right? Anyone go to school with uniforms? I know my kids do, yeah. So the point of the uniform is to create a uniformity and a sameness, which is supposed to, I guess, be kind of a way of like, no one can be better than anyone else. It's, it's kind of like, let me put a uniform over your human nature so you all treat each other equally. I think that's the idea. Does it work like that? No, because you just find really silly and creative ways to look different. So what me and my little clique did, what my little babble did, this is gonna blow y'all's mind. In the summers, we wore long sleeve t-shirts because we were given one choice. In all the, the lack of choice in uniforms, we did have the choice of short sleeve or long sleeve polo. So we would wear our long sleeve polos. My kids are looking at me like, oh, this is some good ideas, dad. We would wear our long sleeve polos in the middle of the Alabama summer. Just me and my little group of dude friends and we'd roll them up. We had these little ways we'd roll up. What were we doing? We were creating this little clique, this little culture this little, you know, human settlement of middle school boy where we got to assert our dominance over everybody else. And, y'all, I'm not joking. That's how I know this idea is rotten. This idea of let me get together with a group of people, get my own blessing by all being the same. It's rotten because it doesn't, well, let me tell you what it does create. It creates oppressiveness. It creates unlovingness. It's selfish. And it's all based on fear. Because at the heart of every middle school boy dominance is deep fear, deep insecurity. Okay, we're back at the Tower of Babel. Because what were they worried about? They were worried about being scattered. They were worried about losing their name. And just on the basic level, they weren't trusting God for their safety, security, and certainty so they went to make it for themselves. When I got to high school, it became beards. My school didn't have a facial hair policy and me and two other guys could grow a beard before everybody else. And so man, we milked that thing. It was scraggly and gross, but it was my way with my little friends of creating this little separate culture. And what's it doing? It's all, even in that silly, simple way, it's trying to make blessing for myself. And y'all, we don't have to make a big jump to get to the adults because we do the middle school thing all the time. We do it humanly, culturally, socially, in our little groups, in our friends, in the neighborhoods we live in. I'm, don't worry, I'm not gonna start calling people out. I could, and I could call myself out. We do that. We separate ourselves and look the same because what is at the base of all of it is to 
to quell that little voice of you're not going to be okay. Maybe the Lord isn't for you. Maybe you won't get blessing in your life. This human-centered, God-forsaken in many ways, monoculture should not be the vehicle for blessing. When it's used to get safety, security, and certainty, when it becomes the source of your meaning and purpose, anything you do to push others out and pull some in, creating these walls of safety, it always has me at the center, not God. That is the way of Babel. That's the picture we get in this story. It gets recreated over and over and over and over again in scripture, and it gets recreated with us today. C.S. Lewis wrote a book on heaven and hell. It's called The Great Divorce, and he depicts hell in this way. It's a massive city, really a massive city of sameness, just recreated neighborhoods, recreated like house after house after house, all stretching as far as the eye can see, sameness all around. And he describes hell like people moving into the city and slowly moving further and further away from each other, slowly getting more and more isolated from one another. They start off together, They start off all the same and they slowly move more and more and more isolated. It's powerful because that is the the way he describes a life in hell is a life of isolation. So God is not calling us to be isolated. There's a part of what the people in Babel are doing that's really healthy and good, which is to be together. But God has also not called us to be together with me at the center. And he hasn't also called us to be together with a particular human culture or a particular human look at the center. God has called us to be together with him at the center. Unity through diversity. So let's talk about that for a second. God wants us to know him, right? God's, God's goal for us is to know him more and more, experience him more and more, grow in him more and more. And who does he put with us to do that? Each other. If we go back to the Garden of Eden, the only thing in the Garden of Eden that was not good was that man was alone. So God gave him another man to bro out with. No. What did God do? What did God do? Gave him someone really different, a woman. And God puts us with different people still to this day, men and women together, even different, just friends together. When you're with another person, you're with difference. You're with massive difference. God's mission is for us to get to know him together with indifference. Shortly after the story, in fact, it's the very next story that we're going to preach on next week. God calls a man Abraham, and he calls him to have a family, which we're thinking, okay, we're kind of getting this one family. This, we know that that's kind of this picture in the Old Testament is God calls one family, but what was the purpose? And as we will see in Genesis, what is the purpose of God's one family? To bless the whole world and to be a light for the whole world to come into the family. We keep moving in human history and we get the nation of Israel. They were also called to be separate, but to be a light to the nations, 
to draw people in, all kinds of different people in. And then eventually God abolishes the whole idea of the nation of Israel and we have the church. We are now the new Israel. We are now this new human family of God. And if you look around, there's a lot of different kinds of us. God's church, God's ultimate plan for blessing of the world is not to separate and not to click together in these little groups, not to be my little you know, quarter sleeve middle school boy or my bearded high school boy with other people that are like me. No, to be God's diverse, difficult, but beautiful family. Why? Because that's his mission for the world. And that's the key. I'm gonna say it again, mission. This is about mission. The mission of the Tower of Babel was safety, security, certainty, purpose and meaning in and of myself, blessing for myself and people like me. Did they care at all about the people outside of Babel? No, but God has called the church to care about the whole world because God's mission is for the whole world. I think maybe the most condemning, the most damning element of this story is where it says, so that we will make a name for ourselves. We know that there is only one name that is to be named. There is only one name that's to be honored and glorified. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess, not our glory, not blessing for myself, but the name, the glory, the blessing of Jesus Christ. God came down to see this city to save them from themselves. That's the picture we get in that verse where it says God was looking and he came down. He came down to save them. He confused their languages to save them from succeeding in what they were trying to do because he knew that was a sure pathway, not to blessing, but to death. Probably to a slow dying without him. Well, God has now come down again. He came down in the, in the person of Jesus to bring his name to us. Not for us to bless our names, but to give us his blessing. Scripture says he left his throne to bring the blessing of King Jesus to you and to us. He didn't build, Jesus didn't build a kingdom reaching up to heaven. He brought his kingdom down to us. He came to suffer with us. He came to be like us in all our diversity. We could not be more different than him, and yet he put on our flesh to come be like us to give us his blessing. So as we come to the table this morning, God is inviting us on a journey to find blessing through him. He is inviting us on a journey to experience the blessing that comes from not elevating our name and not protecting ourselves from people that are different than us, but opening the doors, moving out to find safety, security, and certainty, not in the neighborhoods we live in or the cars we drive or the friends we have or the schools that our kids go to or the cultures that we align with or the political party that we want a part of. None of that is how we get blessing. We get blessing through membership in the family of God, through the presence of Jesus, the redeeming 
power of Jesus in our lives, that is the source of blessing. So as we come to the table this morning, we have an opportunity to put down and pick up. To put down places that we have looked for for blessing in our lives and pick up the blessing of a relationship with Jesus. If you have a relationship with Jesus this morning, scripture says, come. Paul says, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, the new family membership in my blood. Drink from it often in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this uh, wine and eat this bread, you will proclaim my death. So if you know Jesus this morning, that's what you're doing. You're coming to pick up that blessing that you know is yours and put down all the, the false ways that we try to get blessing. If you don't know Jesus this morning, this is an opportunity to come to Jesus. We would ask you not to come up here and partake of this sacrament because it, it proclaims something that's already happened. But come to Jesus instead. Come back to the prayer corner, find someone, and just say, could you pray for me? Come up to the front. I'll be sitting here, and I'll pray with you. So what are we going to put down? Let me give you a few questions. And we'll move from here into a time of reflection, and then you can come forward. What do you need to put down? Where are you afraid you will not be blessed? What's an area of your life where you are afraid that you will not receive blessing? Where do you doubt God's power or goodness? Where is some place in your life that if you're honest, you have, you've left faith behind somewhere and you're doing it in your own power or you're just stuck in fear? What about this one? Where are you looking to bless yourself? Where is your hard labor? Maybe your exhaustion. Maybe your overwork. Maybe your stress or anxiety. Are there any places like that where you're trying to bless yourself? Where you're trying to gain blessing that only comes from Jesus, but without him? Where have you or your group, whatever that is, your little babble culture, where have you preserved safety, security, and certainty for yourself? Maybe where have you succeeded at it? And the Lord is asking you to put it down. And then finally, where could Jesus be asking you to go on mission with him? Where is Jesus asking you to go on mission with him? What are places in your life where he is offering you a new way? To not travel eastward to build your own Babel, but to travel back to him through the church. How is your membership in this church family and your membership in the greater family of God his calling to go on mission with him? Maybe into a new and difficult area where you might have to question your safety, security, and certainty in yourself but where you will never have to question it from him. So let me pray, and then uh, we'll spend uh, some time reflecting on that. When you are ready, the band is going to be playing. When you're ready, 
at whatever point in asking these things of the Lord, uh, come forward. Kneel at uh, these kneelers here. Um, you can stay and pray up there. When you're ready to receive the elements of communion, the bread and the, the juice, um, open your arms like this. If you would like prayer down front, uh, cross your arms. And then I would really encourage you, if you would like to just have a time to step aside and have someone pray for you, um, that's the purpose of the prayer corner in the back. There will be people that are equipped and ready and spirit-filled to pray for you. Okay? Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that uh, you have called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Lord, what are the places of darkness that you want to call out us out of? Help us to find those places now. Help us to, to see, have the courage to step out of places of self-blessing into faith and trust that you are blessing us and you will continue to do so. Thank you for your word that challenges us to do that, even through such a kind of weird and far removed seeming story as the Tower of Babel. Thank you that you never fail to give us gracious, hopeful, encouraging um, calling to step into light with you. Uh, give us freedom, Lord, as a church. Pray for Creve Hall and its mission to this Creve Hall neighborhood. Fill this place with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.